Today's episode is sponsored by Root, Restoring Our Own Through Transformation. Root is a collective of concerned Black families, community members, advocates, and interdisciplinary professionals dedicated to decreasing Black maternal and infant mortality in Ohio. Root's mission is to comprehensively restore our collective well-being through collaboration, resource allocation, research, and re-empowerment in order to meet the needs of Black parents and families. If you and your family are planning, pregnant, or in your postpartum period, please reach out to Root at www.rootrj.org. Financial assistance is available. You can also connect with Root at 614-398-1766 or email them at general-info at rootrj.org. Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Ivory and Ernest Levert Jr. After experiencing a pregnancy loss in October of 2020, they wanted to be intentional about having a faith over fear mindset. Ivory focused on educating herself and developing a supportive birth team in the best way possible. She expresses that her birth experience was intensely painful, but empowering and transformative. Hello, Ivory. Hello, Ernest. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having us. So excited to be here. Hey, hey. Hey, excited to have you guys. I always love when both partners are on just because you get different um, perspectives of the same event, right? Mm -hmm. Can you guys start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. Um, so Ivory again here, um, she, her, hers pronouns. Um, I am originally from Texas, uh, moved to Ohio in 2014, met this guy, didn't think I was going to stay here, um, but he was a part of the reasons why I stayed here. <laughs> and also just continuing um, my education. I came here for graduate school and um, Got a, an awesome job in higher education. Um, and so, um, yeah, I've stayed here and have um, developed some passions in teaching yoga as well and just well-being, wellness, all those things. Um, so those are kind of some of the other things that I do outside of um, my higher education work. Yep, and I'm Ernest LaVert, Jr. Uh, I've been in Columbus since 2009. Came up here to go to Ohio State. Uh, but originally from Dallas, Texas. So we're both from Texas, but no, we did not meet in Texas. Uh, we met here. We actually met at church. I was going to class, a workshop on financial financial literacy. And she showed up. She was early. I made a couple corny jokes and the rest is history. So, you know, corny, nice dudes do win. Uh, it just takes a long, long time. Um, but yeah, so we've been married for three years now. Uh, we got married in 2018. And uh, yeah, rocking out here in Columbus in Whitehall and it's uh, me, Ivory, and uh, our baby girl, Zamaya, who was born September 16th. Yes. That is a fun story to come from a different state. Well, same state. End up here together. Right. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, my, my pregnancy um, went pretty well. Um, it was pretty smooth for the most part. Um, First trimester definitely was was a little rough. Um, morning sickness, fatigue. Um, I never knew that I could be that tired. <laughs> I just remember wanting to sleep literally all day um, and still being tired. 
Um, and, you know, just being very moody. Um, I felt like I was having hot flashes at some point. Um, I don't know if that was actually the case, but I just remember being in, in like work meetings and then like end of the meeting, I'm super sweaty. Um, so, you know, that was definitely a thing. Headaches, um, just difficulty focusing, all of those things. Um, so, yeah, first trimester, um, I was like, do women all over really do this? Like, this is this is rough. <laughs> um, but after that, it, it did get better. Um, and also in first trimester to kind of help with the nausea, with the nausea um, I started to eat smaller meals throughout the day. Um, and that helped a lot. And I felt less nauseous. I think I still, um, you know, had all day sickness because it definitely wasn't just in the morning. Um, but yeah, second and third trimester were, were very smooth pretty much for me as far as physically, emotionally. Um, I think I also um, just started to feel a lot more confident and a lot more comfortable. Um, I know for me, especially after we had experienced the um, miscarriage um, a couple of months before, um, that was also on my mind in the first trimester of just you know, okay, once we get to eight weeks, we should be good. And once we get to this week, we should be good. Um, so that was kind of always in the back of my mind as well. Um, and so um, during our first pregnancy, we um, didn't make it to get to hear an ultrasound. And so, you know, having that opportunity to hear the ultrasound was like, okay, you know, we're, we're making some steps forward. I, um, I'm feeling like, you know, we're going to be able to go full full um, term pregnancy with this one. So um, it really wasn't in until maybe the second trimester um, that I felt like I could actually be excited about pregnancy. Um, and I felt better about telling people and, um, you know, even better about people being excited because at first I was like, one, I feel really sick. <laughs> so the fact that people are telling me congratulations and are so excited, I just didn't resonate with those feelings. But a little bit after the second trimester was finally when I was like, okay, like, I'm excited about this. We're, you know, getting further along. Um, we're past the stage where, um, you know, most miscarriages are common. Um, and I also started to get pretty active. Um Physically, first trimester, I just wanted to sleep all day, um, but I started to walk a lot, um, and I teach yoga, so um, I was continuing to teach yoga classes, but, you know, was also doing a little bit extra and continuing to do some dance classes, all the things that, you know, I was doing before I was pregnant, so, um, so yeah, I was just feeling, feeling much better during those times, and we even went on a... Um, a trip. We took a trip uh, to St. Martin with family. So, you know, things were just were just going up for sure um, during that time. And um, I also started to, well, really from the beginning, I was doing um, a lot of research, but um, towards the second, third trimester was when we started to do a lot more research, um, went through um, a birthing course, all of those different things. So, um, in all, um, pregnancy was was pretty smooth after getting over that initial hump and fear of those um, feelings that I have. 
So when you found out you were pregnant for the second time, um, what was some of the emotions you guys both had um, just in the beginning? Yeah, I can go ahead and jump in here real quick because I think that also will play to Irie's emotions. Um, I know after, I mean, even with the first pregnancy, with the miscarriage, I am very much a foreboding joy kind of person. Like, I'm going to protect my emotional state. I'm pretty sensitive um, and, and emotionally intense. And so I'm pretty intentional with how I encounter and enter in the emotional situations. So with this whole, with both pregnancies, I was like, okay, sounds good. This could happen, but I'm not going to get emotionally invested until it actually happens. Um, I'm typically the person who I'll get really excited about ideas of things, but I don't really get excited about, a, like, for example, a big trip until we're on the way to the airport. Whereas Ivory, a couple months out, will be like, oh my God, I can't wait. Only 47 more days. And I'm like, no, nah, that's not my, that's not my story. Um, <laughs> she'll be like, are you going to pack? And I'm like, pack for what? We're leaving tomorrow. Oh, okay. So all to say that <laughs> like my emotional state is very much like in a bubble. Um, so when she told me the second time I walked in and I already knew, right? Kind of like in my spirit because she started acting different. We have certain like communication protocols. She was being a little irritable and I was like, oh, there's something going on here. And luckily I've seen this before. So, you know, space and grace. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, cool. Like let's, let's lock in and let's do this. Um, yeah. So finding out, I was just like, okay, cool. Let's take this one day at a time. And I really didn't get to the point where I was like, oh, we pregnant until months later. Um, you know, I, I always, it was interesting reflecting on this idea that mothers are mothers like instantaneously in non-birthing parents. You know, my situation of fathers become fathers like at birth. That's like kind of the saying. And that has definitely been my experience. Um, and I, I still feel some kind of shame about that. Like I'm supposed to feel some kind of way and I'm supposed to be doing all this. That just wasn't who I was. Like that's just, you know, just one day at a time for me. Yeah. I would say, you know, for our first pregnancy, I was just like over the moon excited, like immediately. Um, as soon as I think I took a, a test, it was like, I don't know, midnight or something. And I went and immediately woke him up. <laughs> And I was like, come to the bathroom. I got to show you something or whatever. And I was like, she woke me up. I know what this is. Because, I mean, we, I think we didn't even, like, kind of lead with this. But we, it wasn't a surprise. We kind of planned this out. You know, we've been married for two years. We're like, okay, after two years, we're going to start trying. She had an IUD originally. So when that kind of got taken out, we are like, okay, uh, let's try some other contraceptives. That didn't go as well. <laughs> so it was like, almost like God was like, okay, y'all jump the gun. We're going to chill you out for a little bit. But yeah. uh, <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, by the time she came and got me, I was like, okay, we know what this is. Yeah. Uh, it's go time. <laughs> yeah. So, so the first time I was, I was very excited. I couldn't even wait to tell him, you know, before I had thought about, oh, like, let me wait and do this like special um, announcement for him. But I just was like, there's no way I can go back to sleep. Um, so I went and told him, uh, you know, he was pretty chill and, but I was like immediately excited. Um, and I think we had said we were going to wait um, to tell our friends and family. But once again, I was just so excited that I couldn't wait. Um, so, you know, he agreed that it was okay. And I think maybe two days later, or maybe the next day, even I told like all of my family, um, and I recorded their reactions, like 
just so excited. Um, and then I want to say maybe two weeks later, I think was when we had the miscarriage. And, um, you know, that was very devastating for me. And for some reason, I think I felt like um, it was going to happen or that it could happen. I don't know. It was just it was like a big fear that was looming in the back of my mind. And I remember we had talked about it even before then. And, you know, he was just kind of like, you know, he he was just pretty chill and neutral about it for the most part, I think, and just recognized that it could happen. But, you know, that was just a fear that was in the back of my mind the whole time. Um, and so, but I was still like hoping that it wouldn't happen. Um, and then it did. Um, and so, so yeah, I was just very, very devastated. Um, and um, he was super supportive throughout the whole time. And I had like a very heavy, um, an immediately a very heavy couple of days. Um, but I processed it relatively quickly. Like it was still um, something that bothered me and was still something that was on my mind for, you know, a couple of weeks, months, even going into the next pregnancy. But um, I, I feel like I've made peace with it um, relatively early. Um, and I think a part of that was me just educating myself on miscarriages, um, which I didn't do that until after we had one. Um, and I think that actually heavily influenced the second pregnancy, um, because for me, I kind of went into it and said, you know, instead of worrying about all of the what ifs that could happen during pregnancy, what if this happens? What if we have this complication? Like, let me just go ahead and look into all of it. Like, let me just research it. Um, I'd rather know about what could happen in advance and, and kind of have a general idea, right? Because you still don't know exactly how you're going to process it when you're in the situation. But at least let me have a general idea of maybe why these things could happen or what I could do to prevent it so I could best prepare myself. And so that really, I think, helped frame um, the second pregnancy and the uh, amount of education that I did going into that second pregnancy just to prepare myself for all of that. The other thing I'll add to the whole, how did you feel when you found out you were pregnant? It began my grieving process for my single non-father self. That is something that I've been talking about with a lot of other folk. And this idea that, you know, I used to make the joke all the time that, yo, um, I like playing with other people's kids because you can always give them back. I'd always been like the village uncle. You know, and I'm goofy. I got good energy. I connect with kids pretty quick. But having my own kid, it's like, oh, no, this is 24-7. And this is life-changing. And there's no sending them back. So, and everyone would always lead with these super negative pieces of advice. Like, oh, you're never going to sleep. And you're, your life has changed forever. You're never going to have a date. And say goodbye to your sex life. And all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, this does not sound exciting at all. Right. This is not fun. Same thing. Things people said about marriage. So I did not go into marriage or parenthood very excited. I'm like, this is going to be a job. This is going to be work. You know, people are like, yo, how's it like having a kid now? I'm like, it's like having a new pet sometimes. Like, I just got to make sure I clean up after them and keep them alive. You know, <laughs> so it's like these were the things that were in my mind going into parenthood. And I was like, man, now I can't stay out anymore at night and I have to check in and get childcare and all this juggling. So I wasn't super excited about that part. Um, and so that did begin this grieving process of me kind of shifting my identity um, in order to make space for for this new person. 
I haven't had a partner come on and say that yet. Um, but it's very true. And it and it comes off in behaviors more so, I think, with partners <laughs> in that grieving process. Um, but yeah, that is a different vantage point of the single non-father self grief process and non-mother self as well. I know that that's um, something that's also not talked about nearly as much. Um, I appreciate you two being open and sharing about the miscarriage, um, especially since you told people in advance that you were pregnant, right? It wasn't a thing that happened afterward. We often experience, people experience miscarriage in a state of isolation. Um, no one ever knew you were pregnant, right? And then there's no longer a pregnancy and then you don't know who to talk to or what to talk about or how to process through it. So I do appreciate you guys bringing it up, talking about it. Um, and almost with ease, right? You can see like the sense of healing just in your ability to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to tell anybody, but Irie talks to her mom every day. So there's no <laughs> holding secrets back from her mom. So, you know, she's definitely going to do that. Um, we ended up telling my parents, but other than that, we kept it pretty close to chest. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was helpful. Yeah. But it was, um, you know, I appreciate you acknowledging that cause it's, it's been a while and I haven't really thought about it as much. Um, but that was another part that really helped me process it so well was because I was able to talk to my family about it and learn that, you know, um, some of my family had also had miscarriages. We just didn't talk about it. And, um, I did also know that I had um, a couple of close friends who had experienced miscarriages. And um, so after the fact, I did share that with them and was able to process with them, too. So it was it was really helpful to talk to people about it. Absolutely. And then the, the last thing I'll say about that was I had also just literally a day or two before I ever told me about miscarriage, finished a book called The Power of Now which is this Eckhart Tolle book is very much about spirituality and like presence and not being attached to the past where um, depression lies or lives and not being attached to the future where anxiety lives. And if you stay present, then both of those can't exist in your space. So I was, when she told me, I was like, okay, wow. Like how powerful is the universe to determine that this was not our time. And I just want like went into the super spiritual zone, which was counterproductive and a little toxic. I think for Ivory, uh, but it was like really helpful for me being stabilized because uh, when she told me I was at work and I was like, OK, cool. Well, hey, I was in the middle of a presentation. Uh, someone else was training. So I was like, I'm leaving. I got to go do this. And um, and I got to the hospital. I was like making jokes. And she, <laughs> I think it was like way too much at the point. But then, uh, yeah, she was like it was helpful to at least be stabilized. So that I think that led into the second pregnancy where we very much like, let's talk about this stuff. We're going to be very direct. We're not going to hold back our feelings. I I learned I need to check in more because I just assumed that because Ivory wasn't bringing it up that we didn't need to talk about it. But she's like, I wish you had asked me more how I'm doing. And I was like, okay, lesson learned. I need to probe. So yeah, that's where all this came from. I don't want it to act like we were, you know, just had it together. Like, nah, this, this was a lot of really tough conversations. Um, a lot of facing, you know, people say you can't heal what you don't reveal. And, and no challenge can be addressed until you face it. So that's kind of how that how that worked. Now, as so you wanted to further into this second pregnancy, I know you said you did a lot of research. Um, what other ways did you guys prepare for the second pregnancy? 
Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things we um, took a um, online birth course through Mama Natural. Um, so we didn't start. I, I was looking back a couple weeks ago. We didn't start that until like July. So that was like at the beginning of the third trimester, actually. Um, but that was that was huge, I think, for us. Um, because prior to that, I, I think I was mostly listening to this podcast, <laughs> um, which was very helpful for me to just hear so many different women's stories um, and to just kind of normalize the different challenges that could come up. Because um, there was there was a point where I was like, no, I only want to listen to positive birth stories. But then I was kind of like, I don't know, I just wanted to be prepared for if a complication did happen, like like how would I respond to it or or what? what would be the next decision I would make um, versus like being completely surprised and not knowing how to respond to it. Um, so hearing all of the different stories was was super helpful. And I think um, hearing hearing the stories also was maybe the the beginning of me learning about um, the different options of of where you can birth. So, um, you know, at a um, birthing center or um, at home birth, you know, um, and I think it, it also started to open me up a lot more to that, just hearing so many women talking about those different experiences. Because um, I think I think pretty early on, I was open to a birth center, but we didn't we don't have any um, in Columbus or in the area. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm definitely not ready for home birth. Um, but anyways, listening to the birth stories was definitely a, a big part of it. And then once we went through the Mama Natural birth course, um, that was just huge. There was so much about um, the overall um, pregnancy and birthing process that I just had no idea about. Um, I have older siblings, but they just they just didn't talk about it, and they're they're much older than me. So, um, yeah, my I think my oldest nephew is like seven, so it's been a minute. Um, but um, I mean, my youngest nephew is seven. Okay. <laughs> youngest nephew is seven. Wow. Oldest niece like is 11. about to be 16. Um, so, so yeah, just going through that and, um, you know, they go in a, a lot of depth about um, how to prepare physically, mentally, spiritually, what happens, the, the different phases of labor, um, and you know what to expect, the different complications that could come up, and then also um, early postpartum and kind of what to expect with that. So, going through that online course was huge, um, and we went through it together, kind of. Um, <laughs> we at first were watching videos together, and then we decided um, that we would watch it on our own time. But then we still like came back and and watched it together. We need to explain that. <laughs> the reason why I was upset is because Ivory's like, let's do this together. But she didn't tell me that she had already watched them beforehand. So the first time we were watching it was not a joint experience. And I don't even watch that much TV. But I'm like, if we're saying we're going to do this together, we got to do it together. So I was, I felt betrayed. And I was like, screw this. I'm going to watch them on my own at my own pace. And it worked out because like if I was working, I'd have it going on in the background. So I just want to put that out there. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, so that education piece was just huge. And I felt, um, you know, very early in the pregnancy, um, 
I started to feel more excited, but I was still very nervous about the delivery. Like, dang, I got to deliver this baby. Um, I knew that I wanted to, um, I didn't want to have an epidural and then, you know, just kind of listening to a lot of other women's stories, um, you know, and just hearing about the different complications and the surprises um, that could come up that, you know, would, would lead to, you know, an epidural or different um, interventions, medical interventions. And I wanted to have as low of interventions as possible. Um, so yeah, that education piece made me feel super empowered. I, I felt like I was going in, like knowing what different stuff meant, like, yeah, Pitocin, no, I don't want that, you know, just like language that I never knew of. So it was, it was just really nice to, um, have a good understanding. And I was able to bring that to my doctor's appointments and ask like really thoughtful questions. Um, and, you know, just came with my birth plan ready, you know, before they even asked about it. So all of those things made me feel really good, that education piece. Um, and outside of that, I just stayed really active throughout the whole pregnancy. Um, yoga um, and walking were kind of the main things. Yeah. So Ivory is definitely an article person. <laughs> I have, I, I always make this joke. Like if Ivory had a pool doll, you know, the doll with the little pool strings, it'd be like, so I was reading this article. <laughs> right? uh, I, I learned a lot better just by talking to people. So I spent a lot of time at the Upper Cup coffee shop. So any other fathers who were there, I would just talk to them and get little pieces of advice from them. I remember one of the sim most simple pieces of advice I got was like, fill the gap, Ernest. That this time isn't necessarily going to be centering you. It's not going to be, you're not going to be the superstar of this moment. So just any need that you see, just go and fill that gap. And that was really helpful for me where, you know, Ivory used to be on my case about getting stuff done faster. And now I'm just like, oh, I just see this needs to be done. I'm just going to do it. Even if that's typically something that we agree she would do, um, I would just kind of step in. She doesn't have to ask me to take the trash out anymore. Just because I've learned to do it faster. The other piece was like, yo, this person is carrying your child and a lot of her mood and her emotional state is going to impact your child and the pregnancy. So the, the more you can do to keep her happy, to keep her worry-free, stress-free, the better off everybody will be. You know, on top of already being more volatile, I'll say, uh, considering that there is a, a small human taking over her body. Um, and that's a real thing. Like, and I saw it and I empathize and, and make space and all those things. Um, so that, yeah, preparation for me was mainly talking to people, talking to peers who had, and I had, I've, you know, several good friends who just had kids in the last six months. So it was like, we we're all going through this together and I could just say like blow by blow. I want to know every play by play. You know, one of my friends had his, his daughter literally just, she, she came in the bathroom like 10 minutes at their house. They were having a home birth and she showed up and the other ones, they said, every, everyone said it took way, uh, it took way, took way less time than they had planned originally. That was not our story. We were like, oh, this is going to be quick. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> but so I, a lot of this preparation was to me just I'd already been prepared for the worst. One of the things I do for myself is I say, can you make peace with the worst worst case scenario? If you can make peace with the worst case scenario, then nothing will be able to steal your peace. Um, and that's really helped me in every situation. My father going through surgery, you know, our, our miscarriage, the pregnancy. I was like, oh. This is way better than the worst case scenario. Let's keep rocking, you know. Um, and I don't know if that's super healthy, but it works for me. So <laughs> that was uh, that was preparation. Yeah, the Mama Natural courses were really good. I felt really empowered. I loved learning, and it was like kind of difficult figuring out a healthy balance for us to co-learn. And we learn very different. We learn at different paces. We learn from different sources. 
Um, but I think we finally got to a place where I could say, okay, cool. I watched the video today. What, what do you think about this, this, and this, you know, rather than us watching at the same time. The other thing about us is when we're watching movies or shows together, I'm the kind of person I'm like, if we're at home, I'm pausing it every like five minutes. I'm like, whoa, did you see that? Whoa, let's talk about that. Well, I'm that guy. I talk through movies. I'm like, yo, if we're not going to talk through the movie, why am I here with you? I'll watch it by myself. I will talk to myself. Right. So that was a, another reason why we decided to watch it separately. Um, other than that, it was just watching Ivory really do this thing. Like she was doing a damn thing. She was drinking her tea, eating her granola bars, oatmeal, walking every day, hitting the nutrition lounge every day, every day, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I, oh yeah, that's another thing. Um, I um, was eating dates, you know, um, one of the things that I learned, I think through the Mama Natural class and through probably a variety of other articles about um, eating um, six dates a day, I think, starting at least by 36 weeks, but I think I started at the beginning of the third trimester. Um, could help soften the cervix um, and just help speed up um, your labor process and was drinking raspberry leaf tea. I never, I don't think I ever consistently did it like every day, but I was still doing it um, throughout like that whole last trimester. Last thing I'll say that I did um, was just try to stay relaxed as much as possible and try to um, be mindful of things that could stress me out and stayed away from those. So um, as I mentioned, I teach yoga. So in July, I stopped teaching weekly classes um, so that I could really just kind of focus in. Um, I was getting massages um, pretty regularly throughout and also um, doing um, going to a chiropractor. So, um, and then I started exploring hypnobirthing. I, I found out about that kind of late into, um, into the pregnancy. So I didn't get to do a whole lot of that, but in general, I was just trying to do things that help me stay calm and relaxed. So as you prepare for this home, I'm not home birth, this hospital birth, you had a doctor who else was on your birth team? Yes. Oh, that was another huge piece. Um, we had a doula um, through Root. Um, so I learned out, I learned about Root probably a couple years ago. Um, and so I did know pretty early on that I wanted to have a doula through Root. And um, we got our doula in the first trimester, actually. Um, so, so, yeah, so that was a huge support of just kind of checking in um, uh, you know, pretty early on, we were maybe checking in like once a month. And then as it got closer, we started checking in a lot more frequently. Um, but that was just someone else who was reassuring me throughout the, the time that, you know, I was doing everything right. Um, sending me different resources as well to look through um, and helping to keep me calm and um, just kind of walking me through the birthing plan and, um, you know, helping me make good decisions around that. Um, so doula was huge. Um, also we decided to go with midwives versus, um, oh, an OB. Um, so, um, the, uh, we had a team of midwives. Um, they didn't just have one, um, with the way that it worked at, at the hospital. So, um, I think I, I met with two, at least through leading up to the pregnancy though, but knew that, you know, once we had the baby, um, we wouldn't know who would um, who would be there during that time. But um, yeah, I wanted to be intentional about having a midwife um, to support um, more of uh, 
an unmedicated birthing experience, a low intervention birth experience. And I knew that um, midwives would be more likely to do that than OBs. Um, so, so yeah, that was uh, my doula midwife. And then um, Ernest, um, we were only able to have, I think we were able to have two guests, um, especially because of COVID, um, which honestly worked out great. Um, I think um, if my mom would have been um, here, my mom's in Texas, I would have wanted her to be there as well. Um, but it was really nice for it to just be us. Um, so it was, you know, the midwives, the nurse, doula, Ernest um, in there for, for the actual birth. Now you mentioned your doula started working with you in the first trimester. Most doulas don't start to like towards like the third. Was that something that was expected? Did you think that you would be working with someone through the whole pregnancy? Um, so, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect, um, as far as, you know, when, when it's best to have them or whatever. But, um, I think since I knew pretty early that I wanted to have a doula, like I just immediately reached out, um, and that connected me, um, with someone in the first trimester. So I was like, yeah, let's get it. Um, and so, yeah, it was just really helpful for me once again, that first trimester wherein I was feeling a lot more fearful to be able to process those emotions and talk to talk through those pieces and begin to think about my birth plan. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Faith. <laughs> Tell us about your birth experience. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we had our baby at 40 weeks in three days. Um, so, and I'll just start by saying, you know, I, I, I expected it to be a little bit over, but I think as it gets closer, you know, people are texting you like, did you have the baby yet? Um, no, baby's not here. And so started to feel just a little bit anxious, but I was still like, you know, we, we got time, we got time. And most first time moms don't, um, have their baby until, um, uh, on the due day. It's usually a little after, so I was keeping that in mind. But, um, so the day before we had her, it was a Wednesday morning. Um, I woke up and started to, and I noticed that I was having, some cramps um, at the time did not know that that was contractions. And I don't know that I really remember people describing it in that way. Maybe they did and I just missed it. Um, but yeah, I started to feel some cramps pretty early. Um, and I text my, uh, I text Faith, our doula, um, and Ernest, we had a little group chat and was like, hey, I'm feeling a little, some little cramps. I don't know if this means anything. Um, and, you know, she, she responded and said, it could be um, signs of early labor, but, you know, just kind of continue to go on about your day. Um, so I probably should have just rested because I was already off work then. I took off a week before. Um, I took off the week before my due date, but I decided to go for a little walk <laughs> because at that point I was also in the back of my mind. I didn't want to end up having to get an induction. And um, at 42 weeks was when um, I would have to get an induction. So I was like, let me just go for a walk and keep things moving. Um, so went for a walk um, and came back home and um it was, I was still experiencing the cramps um, every couple of minutes. And so then I was finally like, I think this might be contractions. 
Um, so text, texted our group chat again and said, hey, I'm kind of starting to think that, um, you know, this is more than cramps. I think it's contractions. Um, and um, Faith responded and suggested that maybe I start to time them or just kind of keep track for about an hour and see how far apart they were. Um, and I think around that time, around noon or so, I had also just called Ernest and I was like, yeah, this is getting, you know, a little bit more consistent. It's not really painful, but, um, you know, I can feel it, it's regular and I feel some some pressure. Um, and so he came home. He got us some food first, came home and um we were just kind of relaxing. I tried to take a nap, but I couldn't really take a nap. Um, and then we ended up watching Moana. <laughs> um, so that was fun. You know, we're just really trying to stay relaxed. Um, but I was still keeping in contact with Faith and just updating her and, you know, letting her know um, that it was still consistent. Con and I started to call them contractions at this point, um, that the contractions were consistent, but it wasn't um, I was still able to go about my normal day-to-day um, -day movement. Um, and so after we finished watching Moana, it was maybe around like eight or nine o'clock. And um, that was when the intensity started to pick up. And we were using an app to track the contractions. And um, I think I think that was around the time that it was actually it was at the like 411 or 511, you know, we were doing both of them. People say different things with that. Um, and yeah, I was also in the back of my mind, though, um, you know, labor at home as long as you can. You don't want to get to the hospital too early and not be that far along. And they tell you to come back or just the thought of being at the hospital too long could possibly mean, um, you know, uh, more interventions that you don't want to happen um, could happen. So. Um, so I was like, let's, let's stay here until like midnight. Um, so, um, things were picking up there. Then, um, it started to get to the point to where, um, I couldn't really talk through contractions. Um, I was having to really focus and I was laboring on the birthing ball, um, on, on my knees and, um, Ernest was keeping in contact with Faith and, um, he ended up like FaceTiming her and so she could see me and observe and see how I was doing. Um, and so, you know, at that point, we were just discussing when we should go to the hospital, if Faith should come over, or if she should just meet us at the hospital. Um, and we finally decided that um, that we would go to the hospital and Faith would meet us there. Um, but once again, we really didn't leave until around I think it was around 11:30, and so his parents were were in Columbus, and they actually picked us up and dropped us off. Um, I remember that car ride being like a little uh, a little awkward because I was just like, I think his parents were excited. They're like, "Oh my gosh, like it's happening!" And I was just like, very in focus mode, <laughs> not really trying to talk. I had um, had my headphones in, and I was listening to this meditation to try to stay calm. Um, I was always also keeping in mind, I've heard a lot of women talk about how um, going from home to the hospital can kind of just get you out of your element and potentially slow down the progression of labor. So I was really trying to stay in the zone. Um, we got to the hospital and um, we had went 
to, we went to the hospital before to just make sure we knew where to go. Um, but we didn't expect that somebody was going to be dropping us off. Um, and I don't think we thought about going to the hospital in the middle of the night. But when we got there, we tried to go in through the front doors and the doors were locked and there were no signs in the doors of how to get in um, or or where to go. Um, so we were just super confused. And at this point, you know, I'm still having pretty intense contractions where I'm having to stop um, through each contraction. Um, and we finally randomly see um, a doctor, um, I think just walking in the hall and, you know, his dad waves him down and we're like, hey, you know, we're we're in labor. Uh, can you let us in? Um, and so he let us in, um, thankfully, because otherwise we would have had to, I think, basically walk all the way around the hospital, just like do the absolute most. Um, and that would that would have been really hard for me. Um, and I think they had asked me if I wanted to get in a wheelchair when we first got in. And I was like, no, I'm fine. And then um, I think I experienced a contraction right before we get on the elevator. And, and then we we're like, yeah, go ahead, get in the wheelchair. So <laughs> got in the wheelchair. Um, and then we um, headed up upstairs. And thankfully, that doctor was with us because we literally did not know where we were going. There were no signs anywhere. He showed us, you know, which floor to, to get off on. And, which section we, yeah, it was just super confusing. Um, and so we got there, got ready to check in, um, which it was really interesting because the like front desk staff was kind of confused that we were there and that we hadn't, didn't have an appointment or, or anything that we just showed up spontaneously. I guess that wasn't very common. Um, I don't know if it wasn't very common for just that particular front desk staff or or just at the hospital in general, but we thought that was kind of strange. Like, this is a birthing floor. You don't expect people to come in spontaneously. But anyways, <laughs> that was the whole situation. Um, and I would even say, like, it was weird because you had to get the wheelchair in there and it was, like, really tight. And I was, like, having a hard time navigating that. It's the middle of the night. And then they had her sign for everything. And I'm like, bro, she is having a tough time here. You want her to coherently sign all of these papers and make all these decisions and talk while her body is literally taking over? Like, I was just really thrown off by this. I was like, we definitely need to have a trial run on this. I was not prepared. Uh, yeah, that was weird for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was very strange. Um, but anyways, we went back into triage um, and... Um, you know, they checked my cervix to see how far dilated I was. And I was at five centimeters. And so I was like, oh, yay. Like, okay, five is pretty good. So I think it was maybe around one o'clock in the morning then. So I was like, we should be done. You know, I should have had the baby by like seven o'clock in the morning. You know, we're like almost done, um, <laughs> which that was so not cute. That's so cute. <laughs> Especially for first time, mom. <laughs> right, right. I was just like, yay, like we're almost done. Not the case at all. Um, the triage process was also pretty long. Um, I think from the time that we got there to the time that we finally got into our room, we probably had to wait like two hours or so. Um, so it was around three o'clock in the morning before we finally got to the room. Um and that was when um, Faith arrived not too long after that as well. Um, 
while we were in, you know, in early labor before Faith got there, I really appreciated that um, they, the nursing, the staff, nursing staff and the midwife came in and asked me what my birth plan was, um, which I was really surprised. I, I don't know. I was just kind of going in ready to, I don't know, be able to advocate and have to push back. Like that was kind of what I thought I was going to have to do. But, you know, they were like, you know, walk us through your birth plan. What do you, what do you want to happen or whatever? So I talked them through it all. And then Faith came in and she had printed copies of it and gave that to them. Um, so they were very supportive of everything that I wanted to do. The only thing that they um, were not supportive of, which was when I was in triage was uh, me getting um, an IV. Um, and so they ended up, oh gosh, I forget exactly what it's called. Like I just had to, I just had it in my wrist, yeah, but it lock. wasn't, what was that? It's like a hep lock. They yes. just put it in without actually connecting it to the IV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, whatever, that's fine. Um, but I um, wanted to do intermittent monitoring. So they, you know, agreed to that. I was hoping to have a water birth that ended up not happening, but um you know, they they agreed to that. Everything was good. Um, I had had a lot of friends tell me before that they couldn't eat while they were in labor and they were totally fine with this eating um, and drinking. So, you know, that was that was really great. Um, so. Um, so, yeah, finally got back there um, and was in labor. Um, and. I would say I, I was staying pretty calm for the most part, even though the intensity was picking up um, and was able to breathe through um, the contractions. And then we started to get into a variety of different positions. Um, I was mostly on my hands and knees a lot of the times um, and then got was bouncing on the birthing ball for a little bit. Uh, we went and walked around the hospital. Um so yeah, I was doing that for quite a while and was staying pretty calm. And then I want to say, I don't know, it was maybe around four or five o'clock in the morning, they checked my cervix again and I was still at five centimeters. And so then I was like, I expect it to be a little bit further. So I was starting to get a little bit discouraged, but not too much yet. Um, and so, you know, continue to, to do all the different positions and then, um, they recommended that I uh, labor in the tub, which I was a little nervous about doing that so early because I didn't want that to slow down the labor. Um, but um, they suggested that it could maybe help ease things and help me just relax for a little bit. So did that, um, was in the pool for uh, in the tub for a little bit. And um, I think we all took a nap um, and then got out. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I was just exhausted and tired. And um, I just like was sobbing as soon as, as I got out of the tub and was hugging Ernest and just couldn't stop crying. I don't know. I was just very um, started to get exhausted. And I think um, I just felt like I wasn't that far along. So all of those emotions were, were weighing heavy on me. Um, and um, Ernest and Faith were amazing the whole time of just uh, holding my hand, massaging me, um, giving encouraging affirmations, all these different things. Um, because around that time was when I was also starting to like feel like I wanted to give up. Um, but 
they their words and, and their encouragement and just looking at their face like you got this like they just so smiling at me and I'm like okay I can keep going um and so got out of the tub uh kept laboring a little bit longer um and then I, I think I got another check and I was still at like five or six I think they I think she told me I was at a solid six and then at that point, I was really discouraged. I was like, man, I don't know who going to have this baby, but it ain't going to be like, that's what I was thinking. I didn't say that out loud, <laughs> but I was having a lot of um, negative thoughts in my head. Um, so uh, at that point, we ended up, uh, I ended up going to labor in the shower, um, which was really nice. Um, and I remember Ernest started playing some like 90s music on his phone. And I actually, initially I got really annoyed. Like, why are you playing this music? Like, I'm trying to stay calm. Like, this this ain't it. Um, but then it actually kind of made me laugh and wanted to sing along a little bit. So long term, I did appreciate that. Shout out to <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, after the shower, came back and then I started to feel like, uh, oh, no, no, no. I think they checked me one more time and then I was at seven centimeters. Um, which you would think I would be maybe excited, but I was still, you know, not too long ago, I thought I was going to be out at seven o'clock in the morning. And at this point, it's like maybe nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, and so then the midwife suggested, uh, breaking my water for me because, um, my water hadn't broken. And I also hadn't, I don't think I had lost my mucus plug at that point. Um, or maybe by then I think I did. Yeah, I did. You had made a big ordeal about going to the bathroom, and that was like a huge deal because you had to like get up off the cart and like pull the thing over while the IV is attached to her, and that was really intense. And like it was a really interesting moment being a partner and helping your partner use the bathroom. Um, I think that's kind of like a visual I have of being in, in like older in age, you know. Um, but like that was a really vulnerable moment where I got I really felt like a, like a partner for like a protector. Um, like a support system. But yeah, at that point, that's when I think there was a bloody show. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still like fuzzy on the terminology, but yeah, blood, mucus, blood, bloody show. That thing happened. And because uh, I was like, there's something in the toilet. Daddy do this. <laughs> yeah. I was like, someone made all this stuff up. There's a bloody mess in there. Uh, why is it called a show? I never understood that. Like, who made that up? Um, but yeah, that did happen. Um, and, but it was like, yeah. And I think I just was expecting a plug, like an earplug, like a solid. No, that, that wasn't the thing. Um, yeah. So after that, that's when um, we were like, okay, this is not moving really fast. And real quick, I'll jump in and say, like, we came into the hospital five centimeters. And to go six, seven hours and to be like, you're still at five. I'm like, yo, it's broken. What's going on here? Y'all are tripping. Y'all need more accurate equipment and checks. This is clearly something going wrong. And then that's when we were like, okay, break the water. And that was like sad. I'll quickly tell I'll let you get back to it. Like, I, we, I think we were both a little sad because that was a technically an intervention, right? Um, for someone to do it. Because um, I thought it was going to happen at the house. And I was really curious, like, it's going to happen when she's walking around. It's going to happen <laughs> in the car. It's going to happen really inconveniently. She's going to wet her pants. I get to make fun of her forever. Nope. Um, we were at the hospital and she was like, all right, let's do this. Um, but they were really nice about it. They were like, are you sure? Like, it wasn't, it, I didn't feel pressured at all. We talked to the doula. Faith was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, Ivor, are you sure? And Ivor was like, are you sure? And I was like, 
uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but we ended up just going going with it. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, so once, once she, uh, broke my water for me, things got intense very quickly. Um, and yeah, we, uh, yeah, things, things got very intense. Um, contractions were a lot more intense. Um, they were pretty much back to back. Um, I started to feel like I had to poop and then I actually did. Uh, which was hilarious first i went to the first i went to the bathroom and pooped and then um things just sped up real quick and then i threw up and then i, I pooped up um on, on the um yo on the seat. <laughs> all right real quick all right. <laughs> and just say that the way i experience this i'm a big kid for everybody who knows me knows i'm a huge man child and I'm super goofy, and no one told me about this. Like, you know, I, like I said, I came into this whole birthing thing, like, oh, man, whatever. I'll get to it when I get to it. Whereas Ivory's been on YouTube watching all these videos. I watched, like, a couple. But when Ivory was like, I got to take a dump, I got to poop, <laughs> and then it started coming. I was like, oh, wow, that's hilarious. Oh uh, anyways, I just yeah, wanted to put, I just had to put that out there. Like, it, so, it was, right. Yeah. Right. It was funny. <laughs> so this is the part in the birth where your midwife's like yeah we'll break your water she knows what's going to happen yeah. <laughs> and you're like everything is coming out everywhere and yes. the midwife and the doulas are just sitting there like yay the baby's coming <laughs> right. and you're like, like no everything's like, coming out <laughs> Like, oh my, it literally happened so fast. Um, but it was nice too for me because I think she even said that she was like, okay, the first time you had to poop, you got up and walked to the bathroom, but this time it just came. So that must mean you're ready to push. And she was so matter of fact, it yeah. was great. She's like, this is just, this is what just happened. And this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, oh, you've seen this before. <laughs> How do you get used to this? Um, right. And so pretty much after that, they checked me again and I was 10 centimeters and what is it? Like one. Station three. Yeah. Station plus three. one. Yeah. Station one. Negative one or plus. It was plus one. Okay. Um, so she was like, yeah, we're ready to push. Um, so the pushing part, um, honestly, for me, that was the easiest. Mm -hmm. Um because I think with the contractions, it was just, it was, I was just exhausted. Um, cause I hadn't slept the day before and, you know, it was just going on for so long. And I also didn't think it was going to go that long. Um, but once she said it was time to push, I was like, okay, let's do this. Like I'm ready to get this baby out now. Um, so it, I think it was a matter of like three contractions and in all it took about 12 minutes and push that baby right on out. <laughs> And it was interesting because, like, it was uh, it was cool seeing how clearly the midwife explained to her the process and technique for doing it. Because at first, I mean, one of the things we learned was just these, like, the moans are helpful, like the ha ah, ah. And so Ivory was like, ah! and, <laughs> and she was like, no, bring it down and like push out the bottom. And so the second time Ivory did it, it was like, oh, that was a massive. That was success. Like we saw the heads start coming out. Um, and then Ivory did one more and she, she really, really listened and pushed the baby out. And, and yes, you babies of mine popped right on out of there um, <laughs> with her umbilical cord around her neck. And But I really appreciate like this is something I we, we compare, not compare, but we yeah. 
yeah, we compare our story to some of the stories of our friends. And I, I was just, it was way more pleasant than I was expecting. Cause she literally used very uh, like euphemistic language. Like, oh yeah, her, her umbilical cord came around her neck wrapped like a necklace, right? It could have been like, oh God, this is really scary. But she just, as soon as the baby popped out, she un- took the umbilical cord from around her neck. Um, she was cool, got put on Iris' chest, you know, got covered in a bunch of layers. We started rubbing on her back and then she started crying. And like, that's the noise everyone was waiting to hear um after like 10 seconds and yeah zamaya showed up zamaya in zinga oshun lavert out <laughs> cheer ready to go say her whole name okay i had, I had to do it i had to do it when you were listening to this like 20 years from now that's right <laughs> she um was ready to breastfeed pretty much immediately i want to say she was on my chest for maybe about 15 minutes and she just like went for it which was so interesting to to watch like she you know just kind of started you know rooting i guess is the language um and um she just kind of like dove her head down to my chest and at first i didn't realize what she was doing and then you know the the nurses were like oh she's ready to to breastfeed yeah i was like oh she got some abs look at those obliques she she came ready for the side the side crunches yeah ready to go she was super alert um and yeah we immediately breastfed and um i think that was was super helpful for our overall breastfeeding journey this far i think i was surprised because i heard about you know especially babies who are kind of delivered more naturally and unmedicated having a cone head because it can take longer to get through the birth canal and her head was not shaped like a cone and it was like massive <laughs> you know i was like oh okay this is a this is a thing that's cool maybe because it was so fast i don't know um I, it sounds like it was very normal time range especially for a first time um birthing person and even though there were lulls, lulls in birth is normal, right? No one freaked out when you were still at five centimeters, right? It's just kind of like, <laughs> just need more time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you freaked out, but what you did for yourself is even in that sobbing was a release, right? And actually crying makes your body relax because mm-hmm. you've been holding all this tension. Mm-hmm. And then Ern came in with his 90s remix set up DJ <laughs> set, right? And yeah, we got that oxytocin flowing, right? <laughs> and the oxytocin is actually what makes those contractions even stronger. So even though all the things just kind of were happening, and even if you don't necessarily know why they're happening, it's all your body in that connection that you guys have together that's that made this birth possible the way it happened. Um I'm so happy that you had the things that you wanted um, happen for you and that this is one of those stories that when people listen, it's like when I'm looking for a positive birth story, when I'm looking for, you know, learning, what can I do for myself? What can I, you know, the biggest thing that I heard through this whole conversation is education, right? When you you don't know what to expect, you can be really fearful of it all and it just builds tension in your body. how was postpartum once you guys got home? Yeah. Let's talk about leaving the hospital. <laughs> you, how about you share that? Because I feel like I'm talking a lot. I'm, oh, well, I am so proud of you talking. Um, I'm going to be really brief about this, but I just have to acknowledge that this really like, kind of darkened and dampened our homegoing experience. Was we, we stayed in the hospital for a couple of days. Two days. Yeah. 
two days. And um, so, I mean, your question was when we were going home, right? So we were leaving the hospital and the whole stay had been awesome. I liked the hospital food. Ivory did not <laughs> at all. Ivory likes having new stuff every day. And I was like, oh, this is great because I don't have to cook it. So and I don't cook anyways because um, <laughs> I eat out all the time. But um, the only challenging part about our experience was we got rushed out of the hospital. Like lady just left me. I was lost in the top of the space. I had no idea how to get to the elevator. And so by the time we got to the car, we were really nervous about the car seat. We didn't know how to do all that. So that was a, like a difficult experience. And we just felt really rushed out of there. Like, we're done with you. Get on out of here. So we were both like in tears. And then we had to like go home. And it was, uh, I think that was a Saturday. So there was, was a like, game day. it was a game day. We're leaving OSU hospital. So we're navigating traffic and we're flustered. And my parents are there. And they're like new first time grandparents. So they're trying to be excited. And they're like, why are you not excited? Um, anyways, so we get home and, and we're trying to figure out like, oh, we, we have a baby here. It's not real. It feels super surreal. Um, but once we got over that whole experience and things started getting a little bit better. So I'll let you take it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I will say I prepared a lot for labor <laughs> and delivery. I and I kind of prepared for postpartum because I even remember hearing so many women share this on the podcast. But at the same time, I was like, I don't feel like my brain has the capacity to really educate myself anymore. Like. I just want to focus on the labor. Um, so I don't feel like I was um, as prepared for postpartum. And I don't really, um, I'm not upset with myself for that. There are some things that I would have done differently moving forward, but I just felt like I was at a capacity for how much more I could research, look at. Um, and I also think that having a baby is just some things you just can't prepare for. <laughs> Um, but all that to say that early postpartum and even still now has been very tough. Um, thankfully, you know, we have had a lot of family support. Um, his parents were here right after we had the baby. They were here right before and right after. Um, and then the following weekend, um, or the following weekend, his sister came and <clears throat> my parents came. My mom was here for about a week. Um. So we had a lot of help in the house for like the first two weeks. Um, and then after that, we've had a ton of people drop off food and, and all of that. Um, so that's been really great. Um, I don't think I, uh, I mean, people just kept saying like, you know, you're going to be tired. You're going to be tired. Um, but I don't think I really understood like why I was going to be tired. So um you know, my delivery was was pretty smooth for the most part, um, but I did have a second degree tear. Um, so I think that that physical healing part was was really tough of uh, just kind of those first couple of days, like takes me like 10 minutes to go to the bathroom and put the pad sickles on and use the perinatal bottle and all those different, like all of that process was a process and it was just super uncomfortable to go to the bathroom. Um, so I would like dread going to the bathroom almost every time, but then I also needed to go to the bathroom. Um, so, you know, that physical piece was, was tough. Um, and then um, I don't, 
just don't think I really looked that much into breastfeeding. Like I looked into like how to latch, but it didn't register to me that I was going to be up every two to three hours, which was actually much less than that. It was more so like, I don't know, every hour and a half or so feeding this baby. Um, and on day two, she was cluster feeding, which I did not do any research on cluster feeding. Didn't know what that was. Um, so luckily that was at the hospital when that happened. So we did get a little bit of help there, but um, you know, that was for a couple of hours, it was like, I don't know, six or seven hours straight. I felt like all I was doing was breastfeeding her and then rocking her back to sleep and then breastfeeding her, rocking her back to sleep. So I was just, I was already so exhausted from just being in 28 hours of labor. Um, and then, you know, physically was tired. And then I was just constantly having her on the boob. Um, so yeah, that, that was really, really rough. It's, the first two weeks was just super rough. I think I just didn't, I just wasn't mentally prepared for that. Um, and over time it has, has gotten better. Like I said, I think having people drop off food has been really nice, but, um, yeah, in general, I think we just have been really tired. Um, and I think, um, if we were to have, you know, another kid, I would try to get my mom to stay here for at least a month. Uh, because when she was here, it was so nice to have her get up and in the middle of the night with us um, to, to take the baby so we could both go to sleep. And so we could just have a little bit of time in our bed together. Like after she left, we haven't really been able to do that because <laughs> one of us has been up with the baby. Um, so I think, you know, just that that physical piece, but also um, it's been a very huge identity shift. Um, both of us have pretty much always been um, very active people, um, you know, just kind of on the go, involved in a lot of different things, a lot of different passions. Um, and, you know, now it's kind of like one of us has to be like, okay, if you're going to go to this, can you stay with the baby? Or, if you don't, you know, we kind of have to really, um, I guess, be a lot more interdependent in a, in a very different way. Um, so that's been a little bit challenging on our relationship, I think, as well. Um, on our relationship, but also on us <clears throat> individually. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> No, you're fine. Um, I think those are important points to make in just how we kind of talked about earlier that grieving process of who you once were and who you you are evolving into. And even knowing now that this is this is a phase, this is a spot, right? And that there are still these things that are a part of you um, as this identity as a mother and a father is growing as well. And how you make space for all those different things or even have the energy for the things, right? Even if you want it to go, it could go. It's like sometimes I could also sleep, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> even being at home, sometimes I'm like, okay, she let me put her down. Should I eat? Should I take a nap? Or should I try to clean up? <laughs> it's like, which one eat. am I going to choose at this hour? <laughs> eat, because she wants to eat when she gets up. And That's you have her. to have something to give her, right? <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, is it, I like that you mentioned um, this, the nursing 
cycle of this two to three hours and how it's actually not two to three hours, right? Because you're counting from when they start nursing, but then they might not finish for another half an hour. And then it's like this continuous loop. And then as the partner, Ernest, have you guys, um, have you done any pumping yet or anything? Or are you feeling like it's a sole job for you right now? And there's nothing that Ernest can do. So that's kind of funny you ask because of the timing. So <laughs> at first she was like, absolutely not. She took the pacifier for like three minutes. And then she was like, absolutely not. And hasn't taken any since then. Um, and then finally she did start taking the bottle um, until like three days ago. And now she's like, absolutely not. She'll take four sips from it and be like, what is this? This is not my mother. Get this out of my face. She, and her hands are like flying all over the place now. So she literally like hit the bottle um and so that's makes it challenging and then she's like mom mom and she's just yelling for her mom and i feel bad because i gotta go wake her up um uh, look she's laughing she thinks that's funny um yeah so ivory's been pumping more and kind of getting in her rhythm but the you know we're running into different different challenges along the way because now zamaya is like i don't want that i want the original i want the source um yeah and we started we started um, with the bottle probably around six weeks of just mm-hmm. kind of introducing it to it, mm-hmm. introducing her to it. At first, she wouldn't take it, and then um, you know we looked up some things to help the baby take it, like put a little bit on her mouth, uh, you know, um, try try to give it to her before she gets fussy. And so that was that worked for like a solid two weeks, and I was starting to get more sleep. He would usually give her a bottle. Um, at night. Um, so then I could just kind of sleep for, you know, maybe four or five hours at a time, which was like amazing. Um, but yeah, this week she just was randomly like, yeah, no, I don't want that bottle no more. (laughs) I want mommy's boob. (laughs) So we're, we're in the midst of figuring that out. (laughs) I got you. She said she wanted from the tap. Right. She just wants dad to work for it. Is that what it is? She just wants you to work for it, Iron. She's gonna make you earn it. <laughs> Look, don't. That was good. That was clever. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'd be annoyed, man. I'd be like, really? Like, I know. You just had it. Yeah, it's weird because some days she'd be all smiling and giggly, and then the other day she, there's nothing. She got her eyebrows knitted and she's mean mugging, and she's like, try it. I dare you. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds bonding. That sounds bonding. <laughs> Something like that. It's something yeah. Like that. This week in general, she's just she's been very much like I only want mommy. Um. So. Yeah. We're, a growth we're spurt on the on the worrying. What was that? I said it might be a little growth spurt. That's coming. what I was thinking too, and that's what I was hoping that you know maybe in a couple of days she'll kind of go back because right before this she was letting us letting us put her down a lot more. And then all of a sudden she was like, uh-uh. I've enjoyed you guys. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners, whether it be resources, advice, or anything else from your birth? Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, just I, all the resources were, were super helpful for me. I know that for some folks that could be overwhelming, but um you know, the Mama Natural course was huge. Um, I kind of wish I would have started looking into hypnobirthing a little bit earlier. Um, 
So I would have probably done that a little earlier. Um, we also use the What to Expect app um, just to kind of have something to look at with articles. And um, there's a couple of like um, virtual communities to engage with, which was really helpful for me to just be able to know that I wasn't the only one experiencing certain things. Yeah, Ivory was talking shit about me on <laughs> in her little cohort, in her little What to Expect app. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, she but... was. It was awesome. <laughs> it, it's a nice outlet, to be honest, in. To, to be raw and honest. And so I appreciated that. And, um, you know, we, we read a couple of different books as well. Um, I don't know. It, advice, this worked really well for me, was just educating myself. Um, and, you know, I think folks have to figure out what works best for them as far as what they want to expose themselves to. But for me, it was really helpful to just like, let me be mindful and aware of all the potential complications and, you know, think through how I would want to respond if we did experience that. Like if we did have preeclampsia or if we did have gestational diabetes and we had to do, the, you know, like how will we respond to that? Because I think from a lot of the stories that I would hear before, um, people just weren't prepared for how they would respond. Um and I think sometimes the doctors make you feel like you have to have a decision immediately and sometimes you don't. But, you know, if you do need to have a, a decision immediately, this isn't the first time you're hearing about it. And the doctor is not the first person to tell you about it because, you know, sometimes they may make things sound in a way that it's not. Um, so educating, educating myself was really huge. So I would just encourage other folks to educate themselves. And um, to also just try to get the partner involved as much as possible. Um, I think it was it was very helpful to have um, Ernest go through the through the online course with me, um, and he was able to talk about everything in the same way that I was able to talk about while we were in labor. You know, when I was just like very vulnerable um, and maybe not always thinking able to think through things in that moment. He knew what I wanted. My doula knew what I wanted. Um, you know, we were just all on the same page there. Um, and I think the fact that he had that educational background of why I was making the decisions that I was making was was definitely helpful for him, too, because I'm not always able to articulate to him why we should do something. But, you know, he was able to get it from the original source. So um, I'll stop there. Ernest, what about you? Yeah, no, it. I, it's just been really cool being along the journey. Thank you for giving us this space to talk about it. Um, you know, it was really nice having these resources available for Ivory to learn the way she learns and having resources for me to learn the way I learn. Um, so I think she did a great job of, of summarizing everything we used. Um, I'll just say that everybody's different. Uh, you know, trust yourself and take everything one day at a time listening to birth stories in color to hear this show and other episodes head to birthstoriesincolor.com today's episode is sponsored by root restoring our own through transformation root is a collective of concerned black families community members advocates and interdisciplinary professionals dedicated to decreasing black maternal and infant mortality in ohio root's mission is to comprehensively restore our collective well-being through collaboration resource allocation, 
research, and re-empowerment in order to meet the needs of Black parents and families. If you and your family are planning, pregnant, or in your postpartum period, please reach out to Root at www.rootrj.org. Financial assistance is available. You can also connect with Root at 614-398-1766 or email them at general-info at rootrj.org.